Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This was a fun one last night. Me and Dan got to talking about all kinds of things. We had a really good news article about a eight-year-old boy that got lost in the UP and was found. And then we had a guest on, Greenhorn Dave or Racer Dave, depending on where you, you uh, are absorbing content from. Uh, Dave has been on the Hunting Beast YouTube channel a couple times. I think he's been on before the Echo a couple times as well now. Um, Dave is actually a new hunter that's really starting to learn and get his bearings uh, as far as running around hunting turkeys and deer. I believe this killed his first turkey this year, and he killed his first uh, two deer. I think the killed him in the same same evening <laughs> uh, a while back, uh, a couple seasons ago. And those both those hunts are going to be on or are, are on the hunting beast. So we had a lot of good conversation during that episode about how Dave came into hunting late in life, and it was just real interesting. Um, before we start the episode, i got to thank a couple of my sponsors, the first one being Osseo Gear. Osseo Gear is a great option for whitetail hunters. They developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. I used some of it this week, turkey hunting, and all their like hoodies and stuff having built-in face mask and man that was nice i'm always like losing face mask and stuff so having that built into the hoodie was was uh was a great feature uh for for turkey hunting uh, plus you got a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from osseo which that's freaking awesome as well they have a super unique camo pattern uh, and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand or in the turkey woods or just wearing it around walmart or something so visit asiogear.com to get you some premium hunting clothing. Also, got to give a shout out to Exodus. No real ad reads this week for Exodus. Had a great conversation with Jake from Exodus last week. We recorded an episode that should be coming up on their show uh, pretty soon. They're great guys. I just want to kind of pitch their all their podcasts that they do. Uh, you got the Deer Gear podcast that Cameron does. You got land podcast that jake does and of course trail cam radio that they all kind of collaborate together on uh, go check out all of their material and their youtube channel excess outdoor gear and you guys will will be a better deer hunter because of it also got to thank stealth outdoors maker of probably the one product that i use in almost every aspect of my hunting i just i was using my uh a little chair for the blind uh, that I was sitting in turkey hunting and I had an, I had an idea I had I need to tape that dang uh, chair up that little folding chair that way the legs and stuff don't make noise on it with some stealth strips if you guys haven't tried stealth strips yet get your hands on them go to stealthoutdoors.com right now is a great time to be tinkering with gear during the off season get everything nice and quiet and ready to go uh, for for your 2023 deer set seasons and and you you'll you won't be rushing around worrying about getting this or, or that done. Get your stuff taped up with stealth strips. And finally, of course, hunting beast gear. Makers of, in my opinion, the best mobile tree stand on the market. For the money, it's the lightest thing you can get for the size. And I think if you guys would just get your hands on it, uh, put in those, those pre-orders to get you a beast stand, you won't regret it. It's been with me on almost every single one of my deer kills the last couple of years and honestly it is something that uh, once you once you start using a mobile stand like the B stand you'll never go back to um, something something else 
So visit huntingbeastgear.com and get you a beast stand and beast sticks. All right, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Look at all the people in there. Whoa, 36 of them at the moment. I don't know how accurate those numbers are on the top of my screen because some people will mess like, I don't know. Some people act like there's more and some people act like there's less. So I don't think YouTube knows what's going on with how many people are on. They're probably pretty close. Exactly how many there is. I'd say that's a pretty close number. Pretty good guess. But that's pretty accurate. There's exactly as many as there are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's been going on, Dan? Not a whole lot. Didn't do any scouting or anything. Videos up. I got uh, a video of our buddy Dave, Dave Schwabby, yep. up here and um, turkey hunting, and I squeezed out another uh, another section of the uh, me and Eric scouting the swamp video. You guys did that over the weekend, right? Yeah the the one I just put up was done the same day as the first video. It was like the second half, but we went yeah. back out there this last weekend and um really covered some ground yeah yeah eric was uh consulting me with some uh construction projects while you guys were doing that so Uh, i knew i knew you were out and about but uh i turned a little shed we have out back here into a lean-to yeah we were uh we were walking through the swamp and i was like whoa check out these rubs and his answer to me from behind was you need 16 two by fours and they got and i'm like what Green tree. What? What he's on his phone. Yeah. You, you and every other customer he's got going on. So. Yeah. Yeah, I probably should leave him alone with that stuff, but he's a he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, to that. So I always like pick his brain whenever I'm doing something. He is. Uh, he's so. Uh, oh, he's, he's really good at that. that stuff. Yeah. 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 I'm always. He, uh, he came over and uh, nitpicked all the uh, work on the building. I got still sitting here because remember when I told you last time they're going to be over. Uh, what was it Thursday evening? They were going to be over to work on my building. They yep. called me said they got everything because I've been I've been pushing them. We'll be there Thursday Thursday to finish this job. I still haven't seen them or heard from them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. a week. But he was overlooking at that, telling me how the window's going to leak, how this is going to be wrong, and that's going to be wrong, showing me oh, where the no. ground level's too high on one side. Jeez. The worst part is she said that he said that stuff to Carol. Now i got to hear it. Oh, no. Like, I told you to hire the Amish. <laughs> <laughs> to put I, it up in 15 minutes. I would have told, I'd, I'd tell you that uh, maybe he's wrong, but he's probably not wrong. No, he's right. Yeah. Points out the stuff, it's and I see it, but you know, I don't think about it otherwise. Yeah, we don't have the. I mean, it'd be like uh, you walking through the swamp with a guy that doesn't typically deer hunt and pointing out deer sign, you know, to him. It's the same, same concept. Yeah. Um, I don't know though, but he taught me a lot. We Eric helped me build this little add on to our house, and I learned so much. I mean, I, I was pretty proficient with like using a saw and all that stuff, building things. Um, but I'm like proper construction and how like to properly do things so that, you know, he was, he was pointing out stuff like, well, when the ground freezes and thaws and this is going to move. So we got to put this here and, and just leaving. Uh, he just knew exactly how to do everything. Um, it was, it was super handy. He's too nice of a guy though. 
I was like, uh, I messaged him or we were talking again and I'm like, Oh, next project will be like, I want to put a front porch on my house and uh, not meaning anything by just like telling him that's what my next thing I want to do. And he's like, well, I could probably come down, uh, you know, next spring and help you with that. I'm like, I wasn't asking you to come down again. I just was telling you like, just as a conversation piece and that's the next, next step. But anyway, I wouldn't be surprised though, if he didn't jump in his truck and come down, we make it into a scouting trip though. The thing is, is like, it would take me like, you know, two weeks to do a project like that. And then Eric, it takes him like a, you know, day and a half and he hasn't, hasn't done. And that's, what's nice about the guys that do it for a living. You know, that's why they get paid the big bucks and it'd be right too. you know, um, anyway, did you guys find any good scouting this weekend? Uh, yeah, we put a lot of miles on, um, uh, you guys will see in the video, it was kind of, um, um, no, this isn't in the video we just put up. Right. The next video, but yeah, we um, found a very, very large uh, bedding area that is obviously holding a lot of the bucks. It's probably ten or twenty acres of, of solid buck bedding, um, scattered under trees that are out in this this swamp that are, I mean, very, very remote. I mean, yeah. just impossible to get to. But we could get back there. But there really wasn't any trees to hunt out of. It was like any place you got in there, you'd be blowing the whole thing out. Right. So you end up really hunting back towards where we looked at in this video. You know, getting yeah. them coming out. I mean, you're you're more you're further back than I'd like to be. I mean, you're probably but there's pretty much bedding from that rut island back. But I do think those deer will travel farther in areas where they're not harassed. I mean, you got to look at it like this. I mean, walking through there, I looked at every tree that's out there and I didn't see one limb cut. I didn't see one screw in. I didn't see anything. The only thing I saw the whole time we were out there was one soda can that I'm assuming a gun deer hunter carried back and dropped. Yeah. Cause I'm sure a gun hunt walked through the water or something. Um, but uh, there really isn't no human sign back that far. Um, but uh, so yeah. I think they'll move far. One thing I did see is uh, I went in from the Rut Island on this trip and we looked at something. And some people probably recognize this when they see the two videos. Then when we came in from the other direction and we, we went through the bedding back to the Rut Island, which was a hell of a long trip, um, we ended up finding something we missed on the first trip we saw it on the first trip but we didn't read it correctly we found where there was a uh, buck bed scrape and where some really good bedding coming out of that me mess that we had found at one that was really remote yeah where two trails came out of two separate bedding areas to the same spot where they met there was a big scrape and the first time we just saw it as a scrape and oh there ain't too many beds on this island and we and that was the end of it we kind of backed off and, we, and then we found bedding adjacent to that that we thought was feeding that but really it was in front of it so looking at it from a different view or coming into a different day and looking at it a little bit different really changed the opinion on it yeah yeah i uh i i spent the day getting ready to go to i'm leaving tomorrow for wisconsin which is why we're doing this show tonight instead of tomorrow night but um Heading up to zone one to chase turkeys around for a few days. You should be chasing turkeys over by me. 
well, not by me, but where we travel to the swamps and you won't see one turkey back in those swamps in that water, but you'll find lots of deer sign. And who knows, yeah. maybe one get kicked back there somehow and you shoot one. That's yeah. what turkey hunting is, right? It's advanced deer scouting. Yeah, right, right. It's a, it's a. It's scouting for deer with a shotgun and a call <laughs> target. <laughs> it's, just, it's distracted deer scouting. Right, right. Yeah, that's funny. Speaking of, uh, well, this is switching gears completely, but not speaking of anything, but I posted a video up on the Beast uh, channel and this channel. We are doing a giveaway right now, guys. So uh, Joe Miles, who you guys have seen on the, the show a couple times, donated a bunch of uh, Osseo camouflage. Um, who He also helps us with this show. So um, I thought guys, we were going to date with Rick. Was it Rick? <laughs> well, that, well, let me finish what I was going to say. Okay. We right. are, we're, uh, we're going to be, I think me and Dan tech, we're texting about this. We're going to try to do like a every month, give away something until deer season starts. So maybe the grand finale one will be a date with Rick. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that's in there somewhere. So, um, um, we haven't really talked to Rick about this yet, but we're thinking, uh, it doesn't matter if you're transgender, you're gay, you're female, whatever, right. just surprise them. Highest bidder. That may attract some some crowd that we're not used to, you know. Actually, we'll just randomly pick somebody, you know, where we've got a <laughs> rainbow or something, their name. Yeah. Oh, man. Ricky will be on board. His but wife anyway, might not. Yeah, right. I don't know if Ricky would be on board either, but we could pretend that he is. Um, so he was all excited because uh, he got recognized the other day. We went to... Oh, no way. We stopped at the store to get a uh, uh, soda, and uh, some guy came running up to the window uh, with a southern drawl, and he says, That there, Ricky Poo, Ricky Poo, <laughs> and Dan, look at this. <laughs> Old guy oh, from was... Tennessee, turkey. Oh, hunt. really? Oh, up yeah, there. Him Come all the way nice. up here to hunt turkeys from Tennessee. Jeez, hmm. I would think the turkey hunting down in Tennessee would probably be better. Yeah. But then again, he's probably walking around in the swamps. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe nope. he's doing some deer scouting, some uh, mm -hmm. distracted deer scouting. But I don't know. I know, I feel like Tennessee went from, they reduced their limit this year, I believe. Like residents could go, it went from four to two or something like that. So maybe there isn't as many turkeys down there as there once was. I don't know. Um mm. I know they did. I think it was Tennessee. I could be wrong. Could be Mississippi, but one of those states they uh, they had to reduce the number um, number of birds you can harvest the bag limit. So maybe I sure north. Seen see around here for some reason. Really? Yeah, it seems like yep. a lot less. I haven't checked the numbers lately, but Indiana was on track to have in their record harvest number. Um, I need to look at that and see how that's going. Um, everybody, if you have asked questions before we get too much farther in here, make sure you put a question mark before the question. That way I know what's a question and what is not a question. Um, I'm, oh, wait. The the giveaway. All you have to do is subscribe. Be a subscriber to the channel. And on June 1st, we're going to announce the winner of the Osseo gear. And then in June, we'll, we'll do another uh, giveaway. That's when we're giving away Rick. Yeah, yeah, that's when we're giving away Rick. But you have to, you have to subscribe to this channel before the echo and the hunting beast. So 
that's in the description below the hunting beast channels in the description below so if you're not subscribed over there head over there and subscribe so yep native south outdoors my buddy patrick he said tennis it was tennessee that reduced their numbers so i thought it was but so maybe there you go dan maybe everybody's gonna start hunting turkeys up north instead of down south um let's talk about our new store we got a guest coming on tonight uh and he's down in the down in the waiting room but um you should really have ever, dave schwabby on one of these days he just killed yeah. nice yeah just saying maybe maybe we will sometime i'll have to get a hold of him shoot him an email he's not on facebook so just shoot him an email yeah he um, hides all it. yeah <laughs> he's gotten terrible too many times on social media um the uh there's a new story going around about a little boy. I, there's not really that I was going to pull the article up, but there's not really much to show as far as pictures or anything, but uh, a little eight year old kid got uh, lost in the wilderness up in the UP. Uh, porcupine mountains. Uh, yeah. The porcupine mountains. And uh, I believe he was up there overnight, right? He was. Yep. He's, he uh, slept underneath a log, I guess. They said, or he said, um, I guess they found him there sleeping underneath a log. But, uh, I, I expected the worst, to, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it did not sound good that he he didn't find a way out of there sometime during the night. Uh, you know, didn't go to the sound of traffic or a light in the distance or something to find his way out. Um, I was really um, worried about the outcome. I was glad to see a positive yeah. outcome. Um, uh, somebody uh, sent me pictures and said they found him, and it was uh, pictures of uh, somebody carrying him out on his back and. That was good to see. Yeah. They look like he has strapped him to a frame pack of a backpack and he was just riding on the, on his back going out of there. Yeah. That guy, so that kid will have a, that yeah, kid will have a good, good story. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, as long as he comes out on skate, you know, and maybe he was a little hungry or scared or whatever, at least he'll, uh, he'll have an adventure. That's, That's right. What you know, the things that scare you or, or that you fear or the things that hurt you, that don't kill you are the oh, things yeah. that could be your uh, character. They're yep. actually good for you. It's good. To, it's good to have some um, struggles in your life. That's what makes a man. Right. Right. I mean, they said it got down to like in the forties at night. So he was probably chilly. Yeah. Um, probably chilly and scared, but uh, I don't know. Good for him. I, I mean, good for him for, I, you know, he probably was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing, but, just going out and you know making uh, it, it didn't end up real well, but like going out you, and having a little adventure and all I gotta that, give you know? get a little credit, you know, because yeah. uh, most of your kids nowadays wouldn't even get lost because they wouldn't leave their living room. Well, yeah, he they would have been on. Most kids have been stuck stuck at camp on their iPad or something, you know, playing some most kids video are, game. You know, when they're forty years old now, are still in the basement. Yeah, playing, playing Monopoly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Didn't you get lost when you were young and stay overnight somewhere, Dan? I got misplaced. Oh. <laughs> Infall boys don't get lost. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I uh, went to visit um, my brother's um, wife's family on a farm way in the Northwoods. And uh, I took my nephews, who were real little at the time, for a walk who we went up on this big rock outcropping 
and uh, somehow I got twisted around in the hills and I thought I had to go the other way. No compass, none of that. And started heading down this hill to what I thought would be the farm and just walked off into the wilderness. And um, I took these kids for this walk about two hours before dark. So it got black on us pretty quick and uh, I had no flashlight or nothing. There was a little bit of snow out. It was pretty cold, um, but the snow was real spotty. And I wasn't able to follow my tracks back. And uh, I just wandered in the direction I thought I was supposed to go and uh, walked all night. And uh, um, eventually I, uh, I hit a road. And uh, when I hit the road, um, up the road, quite a ways, I could see a, a house light. And I walked to that house and uh, there was nobody there. I pounded on the doors and stuff. And then I started getting light out. I walked up the road and the house is real far spaced. I found another house, knocked on the door and the guy answered the door and he says, you must be the lost boys. Come on in. Uh... <laughs> he made his breakfast and then uh, made some phone calls. And then all these people showed up to pick us up. And hmm. Yeah, it was uh, probably, I don't know early teens, maybe 13, 14 or something. I don't know. Somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. Maybe even younger than that. I don't know. But spent the night out there walking. We uh we used to coon hunt a bunch when we were younger. Like like from the time we got our driver's license all through college, we coon hunt. We always had coon dogs and my uh my buddy, we always we never had like the money to really buy like a Garmin GPS. Like they all had, you know, those uh trackers for the dogs and all that. Yeah, and that was before Onyx and all that stuff on your phone, you know. And uh, man, we got lost so many times coon hunting. Just, I mean, we were lost. We we always ended up finding a road or something and calling someone to pick us up or whatever the case may be. But this one particular time, my buddy he he bought a new Garmin, and it was the first time we ever used it. And uh, we got to this particular spot. And he had the, he had the his little garment up that showed where the dogs were and stuff. And we were we had the dogs in the lead, and uh, um, we were you know he's like we were going back to the truck essentially. And he was like, I think the truck's this way. The garment says the truck's this way. And we were like, that doesn't seem right. You know, it's like what the heck? I said that thing ain't you know that thing ain't right. We we gotta go this way. I've been here a hundred times, you know. And so we got to we just went the way we thought to get out to the truck. And we walked 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 and we came out to this field edge and I just looked and I, and when they came out, you know, where you could kind of see from the moonlight out of the woods. And like I had, I got out to the field edge. I had no idea where I was at. And uh, the, the uh, field that we were in was tilled up. Some of the farmer had tilled it up and it was like muddy, a muddy mess. And so you could see the road down across the field. And we walked through that nasty, muddy uh, field and got to the road. And yeah, the uh, of course we were around the block, you know, completely opposite direction or, or we were going. But it took us a hunt to like realize, like I just just watch the just listen to the GPS. You know, a thing actually knows where you're you're at. Right. But yeah, I've had compasses lie to me, and every time they lie to me, I end up coming out on the wrong side of the woods. Yeah. Um, yeah, at some point you, you, you realize those compasses really are smarter than me. Yeah, <laughs> it ain't some magnetic force or something. It is. They really are smarter than me. 
Right. Right. Um, that's a kind of a lost art is compass reading though. I mean, not very many people carry a compass with them anymore. Yeah. A lot of people wouldn't even know what the difference between magnetic North and yeah, true North, North is. Yeah. Yeah. I took a little class been a long time ago now on how to navigate with a compass. And I still remember most of it. I could probably, I mean, I carry one with me, uh, just in my, I got a little like pocket on my bino harness. If I have my bino harness, I have one. I don't always have my bino harness, but, um, I, uh, I think I could still navigate with it if I needed to, but I don't get it all out very often. Mm-hmm. Mostly on out of state hunts, you know, I, a lot of times grab it and check it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, my scariest uh, ones are on the remote bear hunts. Yeah. Because, uh, where I'm hunting up in Minnesota, you walk the wrong way, you can walk all the way to Canada. Mm-hmm. You could really get lost in that crap. And yeah. uh, there really ain't anybody going to be looking for me. Yeah. The spots that I go, except for if I got the team up there, but a lot of times I don't have them with me or they're not, they don't know exactly where I'm at. I try to be better about that, but it's hard to do when you're in the middle of stuff. I remember one one bear I shot. Um, I was tracking it and my lights are going dead and it's going way out into the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, I've never been in this section. We had just put a bait there, a new bait. And it's like, I, uh, it was getting a little sketchy. And I'm like, it's going in circles and stuff. And I'm starting to lose my bearing of where I'm at. And uh, I remember my compass kept just, it wasn't working. There's was something wrong with it. It was like, there's like the ground was magnetic or something. And uh, I was a little worried about hitting the road right coming back out of there and uh, i was thinking man i have to be able to find this blood trail going backwards now and i was losing blood a lot and stuff and all of a sudden i stumble out onto this road and there's the bear and i look down the road and there's my truck perfect actually died like 50 yards in front of my truck but it ran in this huge circle (laughs) and i didn't even know where i was going i didn't even know i was coming out to the road or but uh you know that's funny. Whatever. You get a little adventure like that kid if not, if everything goes wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah, as long as he's back safe in bed at some point in time, it's all good. You know, I'm sure his parents were pretty aggravated or pretty uh, distraught there for a while. I can't imagine, you know. Um, I, I did – I was a little bit – I mean, I guess I don't know much about like a search and rescue thing um, or the, you know, standard procedures for search and rescue, but I – I, uh, I know that the um, search and rescue team told everybody that was like volunteering to come out to help look for the kid, like to not come, mm-hmm. which I thought that was kind of like, I would assume like the best way to find somebody is just like as many people as you can to look for. Them, well, that know? depends. Um, the, nowadays they can be using um, infrared. They can be using uh, uh, the same technology we were talking about the other day to find deer. Yeah. Right. They can be using yeah, that, stuff like that. And if you get, you know, a thousand people in the woods, how do you use it? Yeah. So, uh, I know I was involved in a search and rescue for a, a coworker. I went to, I went to work and, uh, he has a kid that has autism and it's pretty bad. Uh, the kid can't speak right. And 
and uh, will often have emotional issues just run off and they can't find them. And uh, I got to work and uh, it came on the news and I noticed he wasn't at work. And then I heard on the news that his, uh, his kid was lost and was in the woods overnight Um, in Waukesha, but Waukesha isn't like wilderness, you know, but uh, it's a wooded area, farm area and stuff, but the kid wouldn't go near anybody, run for people and stuff. Um, so I didn't even think twice. I just said, uh, we need to go, you know, find this kid. And, uh, I just said, you know, to a bunch of people who wants to go and pretty much everybody just shut down all the machines and we all went out there. And, uh, when we got there, they wouldn't let us just go off looking for him, mm. which is what I wanted to do. Cause I had a pretty good idea how a kid would go through there and stuff. You know, I always use that mental game, but they didn't want to, um, do it in that fashion they want to do sweeps so they want people in a line where you can see each person and sweep a woods and then you sweep this area and then you sweep that area and they did that and they eventually found them doing the yeah. sweeps mm. it's fine you just spent the night yeah. in the woods yeah i know whenever my uh we used to have um my grandparents lived here or whatever my little cousin or she's not she's my older cousin but when she was little amber she got lost in the corn my grandpa's cornfield back here she wandered off into the middle of the cornfield and then you know she just sat down i guess somewhere and didn't got scared and didn't say anything and they had they had to go find her that was is before my time but i know that's a story i've heard from my, my family that she got lost in the cornfield once but man that'd be scary as a, as a parent you know um not that you know, her, you're going to eventually find her, but just still being lost, you know, it's like, dang. You just hear too many bad stories when it's overnight. That's what we're oh, about. Oh, yeah. And about my friend's kid. I really had some bad feelings because they're right alongside the uh, Fox River and that kid would just run right into a river yeah. or something. Like that. I mean, he just ain't yeah. right. I don't mean that in a bad way. He just isn't. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't think anything good would come out of that. Mm-hmm. I, I thought we were really kind of looking for a body. And uh, well, when they found, when they found a kid alive, I was very happy. Yeah. Well, you don't ever you never know anymore, Dan. You know, you hear about kids getting abduct, abducted and taken into, you know, yeah. these horrible situations and everything else. So, so especially if somebody mentally ain't right. I mean, somebody's gonna right. take advantage. Those are the types of people they prey on. It's kind of a shame because, like, Huck, you know, he's three, going on four now, and like, mm-hmm. he is absolutely wants to be outside all the time. You know. And I want him to be outside playing and being independent and, and then like, and I need to, you know, you want to let him go and be, do his own thing and figure things out on his own. But then it's like, at the same time, it's like some, you know, pervert or something could be driving down the road and see him out there playing. And if I like, it's like, I have to figure, you know, I always have to have an eye on him. That's the discussion that we had the other day. Um, you, you, you know, um, when, um, a parent was telling me that I shouldn't talk about hunting in front of their child because they don't tell them where meat comes from and they don't tell them about yeah. hunting and they're better off not knowing that stuff. Yeah. And, and these parents don't tell their, you, you know, um, I struggle with this with my son, James, he doesn't want to tell his, his daughter about evil in this world. Like if you say something about something happening, you, you, you know, you can't say it in front of her. You can't say anything about a car accident. Oh, we, we don't talk about bad things in front of her. You have to. Yeah. You, 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 like it or not, 
like Hawk. He needs yep. to know that you just don't run up to everybody you see and they're going to give you a hug and hand you a, a, a lollipop. Yeah. He yep. needs to understand that there's bad people in the world. Do you, you know, he's yeah, got to understand. I know. Parents are good, but not everybody is. And, right. and people need to have those discussions. And I think that uh, a lot of people nowadays live in fruity tootie land and they don't have yep. those conversations with their kids or in front of their kids. I can remember when I'd go out when I was a little kid, my mom saying, there's some guy who's been grabbing kids with a van. It's been on yep. the news. You yep. watch where you go. You see a van coming up to you, pulling up, you run. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. She scared the crap out of me, but she needed yep. to. You know, you know what I mean? Right. If something did happen, at least I was prepared for it. And I wouldn't just hop in the van, you know? Yeah. He has a little, um, like back here, which mm -hmm. I can't see him. He has like a, there's like a, uh, a drainage spout where there it creates a mud puddle right there. And he loves to go and play in there with his tractors and his trucks in that mud puddle, you know, and I can't see him. And I always just tell him like, look, look, buddy, if someone ever jumps, drives down that driveway, you run back here to dad's office and, you know, come and get him. Don't, don't go to him. I don't care who it is. If it's, if you think it's Mimi or Papal or anybody, just you come and get me first, you know, um, as bad as it sounds, times are different. Yeah. I can remember being like eight or nine years old. My dad showed me where the guns were kept. If anything yeah. happened while well, he wasn't home. Like if I needed right. to use those guns to defend the house, literally at nine or yeah. 10, you think about that nowadays, they'd put a parent in jail for that. Yeah. But a lot of parents were like that when I was a kid. That's the way yeah. it was. And nobody went, and no kids, That all the kids had access to guns. Nobody was out shooting each other. Right. You know, you had a respect for the gun. Yep. You know, so the, the guns aren't really the problem. It's the way people are being raised and the kids are mm -hmm. being brainwashed into who they are and stuff now that's causing the issues. Yep. I was thinking about this a lot the other day. I made that little video about uh, what Scott Cronin was doing with the kids, teaching them high schoolers how to shoot guns and handle guns and everything. And like, dude, that's the difference. It's like people that have never like held a gun and like fired it. They don't, they don't understand what the meaning of a gun is and how powerful it can be and how much you need to respect it and have an understanding of it. You know, it's like right. you're doing something very permanent whenever you use that gun and having a, you know, a detailed understanding of them is, I think it changes your perspective of them, you know, compared to some some kid that just grabs one and takes it into, you know, I don't know. I think it helps at least. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, kids, you were talking earlier about kids and needing to know bad things happen, you know, mm -hmm. well, uh, our, our dog, uh, Penny, who you, you've probably seen her in some of the, um, uh, she's been in the hunting beast channel a couple of times, just here and there. She got hit on the road shortly after battle of the bows. And, uh, yeah. Well, Huck, like I was the worst part for me, like I, I was upset about it, but, uh, I was really dreading telling Huck, like, you know, if she's gone, you know, and, and mm -hmm. this is what happens to dogs sometimes, you know? And, uh, anyways, long story short, he didn't care. He had no, like, he, he, he's just too young to realize what's going on. It just didn't bother him really it as much it, as it would. Yeah. It didn't bother him too much. Um, well, uh, the other day he, we have, he has like a little dog. That's a golden retriever. Um, is that's what she was. And, uh, I was watching him play with it and he was like, she had it and he was like taking his truck and like, he was hitting her with it, hitting that little oh, thing geez. with it. I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? He's like, 
ah, just playing like Penny got hit on the road again. I'm like, oh God. And like, I realized like, I was like, oh, I don't want to cry, you know? And he's like, he's just, I don't know. I don't know what age they start. doesn't turn into some sort of truck. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I don't know what, I don't know what age they start. Like I, he just doesn't understand the, how permanent death is, you know, and all that. I'm sure he just, he thinks when, it's I, was, something that when I was a little kid, um, my, uh, in, in, I mean, little kid, my, uh, librarian teacher was obviously gay. And he, I, even back then you knew it, yeah. you know, even as a kid, you could tell there was something wrong with that guy. Um, and he had a pet snapping turtle in the library in a, an aquarium and it, it never got huge. It got like this big because it was stunted from the aquarium. Yeah. But it died one day and I felt bad for him because he was upset about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I caught this little snapping turtle that was like, uh, just out of an egg, you know? Yeah. And I asked him if he, if he wanted it and he said, yeah, yeah. I like to replace the turtle and put a new turtle in her. And I took it to school. Uh, back in those days, you could do things like that, you know. And I had it in an ice cream bucket, you know, with yeah. water in there, and it it drowned on the way to school. <laughs> I didn't want to take care of it. And I got it there, and I opened it up for him, and the turtles in there dead. <laughs> and he's like, what? "I go, I guess, I guess it drowned. It. Maybe I shouldn't have had some water in there and stuff." And he had this shocked look on his face and he kept calling me in, trying to have a conversation with me, seeing if I need a psych- psychologist to talk. And it didn't bother yeah. me at all. And it was, yeah, right. it was this gay guy. Keep putting his arm around me. Let me talk to you. About <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Or it probably, it probably means nothing that he was doing that. He's just a little kid that doesn't know any better, you know, but. Right. It, it it bothered me and his mom more than uh, it bothered him is the moral of the story. And he just, I don't remember anything when I was three years old, you know, I'm sure he won't remember her either, you know? So, right. um, anyway, let's get our guest on now, Dan, we've been freaking talking for 35 he's minutes. Still out there. <laughs> he's, yeah, still he's probably, <laughs> and he hopefully didn't tune out. Uh, all right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh hey guys! It's uh, <laughs> racer racer Dave on YouTube, right? You yeah, yeah, that's you had, right. You had Don or something. <laughs> and uh, Green Greenhorn Dave on the on the forum yeah, site. That's right. I wouldn't uh, have kept Dave waiting that long. I thought it was Ted Nugent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I got yeah. a guitar in here if you want to see. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> play some tune. Cat, cat scratch fever. <laughs> How you been, Dave? Exactly. I've been doing good. Good, good. I. Been seeing Dan, but uh, good seeing Josh. Good here. Yeah. Things are going good. Things are real good. Good. Moving right along here and um, excited to go turkey hunting Wisconsin this week. So that's good. So you're going Western Wisconsin, I think I heard you say before. Yep. Yep. I'm going to end up kind of Southwest Wisconsin. There's a spot that I'm probably going to go. I guess it would be period E, I think. Um, Yeah. So another. Not next week, but the week after. Yep. And it's in. Um, Might not want to say the exact spot. Yeah, yeah. We could talk about it, but it's in. It is in Southwest. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll I'll show you where I'm talking about, but you might have something picked out already and all that. But uh, yeah, unlike Dan, unlike Dan was talking about before, where he hasn't been seeing a lot of birds around him, I live in a, um, 
oh, it's an older subdivision from the 70s and whatever, but it's across the street from um, some conservancy land. It's privately owned, so it's not, you know, huntable unless you get permission from that landowner or whatever. But, man, we got so many turkeys around here. It's, it's insane. And I uh, see them a lot. And I don't know. There's just certain certain areas where there's just a ton of them, and I know some of them are hard, sparse and hard to find, but so hopefully you, you get in them. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Jacob was helping me out a little bit. He went to school around there and, Oh yeah. Um, he said he hadn't been there in a couple of years, but he at least gave me some, uh, some properties where he'd seen birds, birds in the past, you know, um, yep. it's helpful, but yeah, yeah I'll show you a pan of, of where, where I was. The looking. conservancy where I used to hunt, um, won't allow you to hunt turkeys where Mario mm -hmm. and Rick hunt. And it is so loaded with giant turkeys. It's insane. The only well, thing you can shoot in there is deer. you're not even allowed to shoot coyotes. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, just deer. Only deer. Well, one of the things I'm going to do, Josh, uh, I know we were all up together at part of the Fort McCoy challenge that uh, wound up pretty much kicking everybody's butt. But uh, you, you probably remember a lot about Fort McCoy and that we saw turkeys everywhere. Yes. So, so I got a lottery tag. Um, interesting in, in the deer. There, there, yeah, those turkeys everywhere. were gigantic. Yeah, like and, there was a, and there was a lot of them. Um, so I actually got a turkey tag for, I guess it would be the week of like bridging period D and E. And they only let you hunt in Fort McCoy for turkeys on the weekend. Um, so I'm going to have to take a day or two the off. Uh, not on the weekdays, sorry. Not on the week weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, during the weekday. So what I'm going to plan on doing is going there a day or two um, near the end of the week and then going out over the weekend to the other place in southwest Wisconsin. And then I got a period. Uh, and I have a uh, tag for the last one of the year, which is F. I think Dan has one for that and Rick might as well. But uh, I'll probably hunt more, more around here. Uh, here locally, but there's this one place in particular that I'll, that I'll Rick send you. Don't one, so maybe that, Ricky gets one this next week. I said maybe Ricky gets holding. one. Week, but if you don't, I'll probably help him more. Maybe I'll take the gun along and yeah, get a double or yeah. shoot the ones he misses because he can't hit anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have that problem too, which I'm sure we'll touch. He's drinking those uh, those uh, uh, unicorn rainbow bang. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Dan got me hooked on these sparkling ice things. I saw you drinking. Uh, yeah, dude. This is, this is a good. this is a pink grapefruit ones, but I'm I'm uh, confident in my manhood, so I don't care about. He doesn't. Color. He doesn't. Uh, <laughs> he hasn't got me hooked on them, but I've drank them with Dan because he always buys them things. They are good. Yeah. Well, like they're peach they're, they're only ten calories and uh, five or five calories, and I'm I want to get off soda, and I can't drink that much water because I'm always drinking something. So. These are nice. Why can't you drink? Why can't you drink that much water? Just water, it man. It gets old after a while. Yeah, it gets old after a while. Sometimes you just need something that tastes a little different. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I mean, at least put, puddle water when you're out hunting or mud puddles <laughs> too. You have some flavor, right? That must be one of my dog likes it. A little texture to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave, uh, Dave was recently on the hunting beast channel just like a couple days ago. Yep. And, uh, that's You're your first turkey. Back now. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Yeah. We have, we have been putting more content about that on the hunting beast channel. Trying to, which is not. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was, um, so the, and it goes back to 
earlier in the week, I was hunting at Dave's and, um, you know, I obviously met Dave through Dan doing drives and all that stuff. Um, I think we hunted probably like three years together, something like that. And, uh, you know, there's Dan's got enough video and has talked enough about him where, you know, people know who he is. And, uh, you know, I was certainly glad to know him. And then that, that, um, that year when we went to the, the island that he always sat on is when, when I got that guy. Your first uh, where I got where I got that same double. Spot. Yep, same spot. That was we Dave called spot. Dave's Island. Dave yep. Yep. That's how that's how Dan referred it. And you know, when he said, Oh, go okay, go here, you know, Dave's Island, I'm like, I knew exactly what it was, you know. So um certainly miss miss Dave, but you know, got the chance to go out to the farm where where Dan can still hunt and he'd been seeing a lot of birds. And so I hunted that a couple times during the week. Can I and stop then I, for a second on, yeah. on your, your buck? Now that's your yeah. first buck and first doe at the same time, right? In Dave's spot. Correct. Yeah. Within about we um, went did that drive. Minutes. We did that drive where Dave sits on an island um for uh it's gonna be close to 30 years, probably about 25, 26 years. Me and Dave have been doing that. And no matter where I sit, I would always shoot the buck. And Dave never shot a deer on that island. All that the times he sat in that spot, he never did. And then one year, he let Jeff uh, Ginky sit there. Yeah. And Jeff uh -huh. Ginky. And the main reason was he was so sick with cancer. He said, I'm not going to go all the way out there. I never shoot a deer. You go out there and take the spot, Jeff. We always considered it the good spot, even though he never got nothing, right? And uh, he sends Jeff out there. And Jeff shoots this big buck. And then <laughs> and then last year you got the spot and you yep. shoot your first buck in that doe. And that's yep. kind of ironic. I really didn't even think about that. Then you were in his blind when you had a big confrontation with the, the turkey. So yeah. you were too. Yeah, and so that was actually two seasons ago where I got that double. Um, and then last year I was in the same spot on the drive. And remember I shot like the world's smallest six point. Remember? <laughs> uh where I shot him once, then you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. did, yeah. It's the same yeah. drive. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, that was another one where this will kind of be a recurring theme. Where so I was a little more patient. Like I would have dropped the deer immediately. Probably like I would have dropped the turkey. But you know, there's times when you worry about, man, I don't want him to slip away. And the problem was when I was in that tree on that island, um, there was there was the deer, and then in the in the background was dan <laughs> and i'm like you know i don't need some weird ricochet or something off the ice to, to uh you know bounce up to dan and he's like bullets bounce off me yeah, but, I, uh, yeah. I didn't want to i didn't want to be in line so i waited but i yeah i basically shot you were fine i mean i mean that sounds bad but you were fine i mean i was um i wasn't in line at all i didn't think so you're either i was shooting careful. down enough yeah i do so, respect I mean, that you're being really anyway, careful so I had actually now two bucks out of that spot. Um, it was again, probably a two year old deer. He had a big body. I mean, I got, yeah. you know, probably got like seven deer sausages out of him, all the steaks and chops and like 36 pounds of grind. I mean, so there was a nice. lot of meat on that sucker and uh, he just had a small rack. I thought it was a gigantic doe at first. And Dan's like, you sure that was a doe? I'm like, no, but uh, anyway, so that it was just amazing, you know, having that, that connection with Dave, you know, he was a, a fun guy, you know, we had driven around on those drives, not just driving and, and walking and all that stuff, but, you know, in his car and all that stuff. And he was just a good guy. So 
uh, Dan said, yeah, you can go back and hunt in the blind. So I did one day. All I saw was, you know, a couple of hens come in by my decoys. And, you know, one of them got a little plucky with one of the hens that was standing up and she kind of puffed up and pecked at it. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, she sat down next to it and slept. <laughs> and I was like, really? you know, yeah. And they, they just sat there forever, but, but nothing else showed. And it was like, okay, it is what it is. And I was like, uh, be patient tomorrow. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so I, I think I, I'm by there almost every day. You were just unlucky that day. Yeah. We saw all kinds of Turkey droppings and stuff and it was loaded. And when I, you know, there was, there was a lot of that. So I set up decoys again. I had a, um, a half strut jig, a um, alert hen, and then a feeding hen. And uh, I figured kind of the way I angled them, if they were coming from this other far corner, like if you've seen Dan's video, they should be able to get a little glimpse of them if they kind of get the right angle. So I had them kind of set up that way. And uh, I didn't hear any goblin from where Dan thought they were going to be goblin, where I historically heard them in the, you know, the week before. And there was just nothing going on. And But then the next morning, I'm like, Okay, boom, there's one kind of where Dan's expecting. And uh, it wasn't exactly where he was expecting because they were roost trees and you could see them because they're kind of skylit and there was nothing in there, but it's, and it sounded like it was past it. So it definitely was. And that's quite uh, the distance. So it's easy to miss them if they're in there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it wasn't easy to miss the, the one that was goblin. I can tell you that once I got eyeballs on them because eventually. Well, well, that's interesting because I was doing a play-by-play -play with him and on the phone, he's texting me back and forth and he sends me a picture of this thing where it's at. I'm like, holy crap, that is a huge turkey because I knew where it was. So in perspective yeah. to where it was, I could tell that, that that was the same giant that me and Jake saw, which I think is trash bag. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's a... Uh like some kind of box in the back and it was right mm -hmm. near that. So, so Dan would know, okay, from the blind to where that box is and then the overall size of the box, you know, what this turkey was like. And I'm like, man, that thing looks big. Right. And I kept, kept watching, kept watching. And he just kind of kept working around. I mean, he was slow. It was, was cool, cool about it. Probably took him an hour and a half to get all the way up, but he was literally strutting the entire time. And, and from probably, Man, how long do you think that is, Dan? That's almost half a mile. Yeah. Um, and he was—he didn't break strut well, except once when, when he was getting uh, getting a little love going on with one of his hands. But uh, that was the only time he broke strut. Otherwise, he did not. You know, um, it was wild. And he kept working, and I'm and I see the hands, and he was—I was almost like. Um, my daughter's dog's a collie, right? And he just like runs behind everything and kind of circles it and, and herds it, right? And that's kind of what he was doing. He would just kind of go back and forth. And as I'm seeing him, I didn't see the hens right away, but he was behind him. And then the hens, he just kept pushing them up to my corner. And he'd kind of go like this. And he just was like literally herding them, herding his harem up to my corner. So it was kind of fun to watch. And I'm like, all right, just keep this keep this going, right? And that's, that's what I'm thinking. And then I hear this, and I'm, I'm like, what the heck is that? And I look over my left shoulder, and here's three jakes that came in because I was doing a couple. I did a couple like real card cuts on my um, glass call, and it seemed to kind of get the Tom's attention. I could see him in the binoculars gobble, right? Well, clearly it got the attention of more turkeys than just him and those hens. Um, 
three Jakes came in and then, you know, so then they're just that half strut Jake I had, they're just hammering it, you know, they're jumping on its back, spurring it, pecking at its head. And, and then uh, they destroyed the other two hens, you know, by trying to mount them. Well, not trying to, they actually did. <laughs> and, uh, they did. Yeah, they did. They knocked them over. I'm like, I was wondering, were they sticky when you carried them out? No, they were not, thankfully, but uh, it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so anyway, then I'm thinking, okay, great. And, and it's actually, in a way, I thought this, hey, this is good. Because I had this one lone hen that came up next to me. And I'm like, well, I don't want to call a bunch and, like, freak her out and have her, you know, start cutting when she's literally right next to me. Um, and... Uh, she just kind of stayed put and was, was staying there. And so I'm like, I don't know if I should do much. Cause if the, if the, uh, trash bag, the Tom can see her, he's not going to, he's going to want to keep seeing her. Right. He's not going to want to see her move off probably. Um, or maybe if he did, he'd kind of come, but he was on, he was already on the way. And, uh, so I'm like, all right, well, these chicks are going to start making noise, which they were, they were fighting per and, and clucks. And I'm like, they're going to hear that and, and kind of keep coming. And I don't even have to bother calling because, you know, this is my third year turkey hunting. And uh, um, I think, you know, I, I think I'm okay-ish at calling, right? But every once in a while, I'll cut a squeaker. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, is that going to screw things up? But so they're, they're doing their thing. And as the hens started getting closer, one of the hens kind of picked her head up, the, the lead one, and she heard them uh, clucking. And she started clucking back, and then they cluck back, and I, and I look over, and then I see them both. You know, they start walking out this way. And there's this hedgerow and trash bags over on the other side, and they cross through it. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what's going to happen here? And as soon as they get there, they they start puffing up into that half strut puff. You know what I mean? Uh, before they're going to start strut their you know, the feathers go up on their backs and stuff like that. And they start walking at the hens. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, all right, if it just stayed the way it was, trash bag was just going to keep working in, working in, and I was going to get like a really good shot. Well, all of a sudden, the hens see these jigs. They don't want anything to do with them. They start moving around. And uh, I probably rushed things a little bit. I didn't range it. I didn't have a range finder. And um so I'm like, I better shoot now, or otherwise I don't even know if I'm going to get another chance if just the way it was blowing up. Because it would have been like a three-on-one deal with three Jakes against this guy. Even though he was enormous, I didn't know what was going to go down. If the hens start scattering, where's he going to go? I just didn't know. So um, so I wound up shooting. And he, like again, he would... You thought it was 35 yards? Yeah, I thought it was 35. It might have been a little more. And kind of what he was doing is to the typical strut behavior, right? So he's got his head all tucked in with the fan behind him. In fact, I had this, this old decoy in my, uh, that this buddy gave me. It's like this, uh, this collapsible thing. But anyway, you know, so he had his head tucked in, you know, whatever they do there, right? Yeah, I do, right? So it's kind of like this, right? And he kept turning back and forth like this. You got a little blue going there. Exactly. <laughs> so he uh, he's turning facing me. Yeah, he's turning. Exactly. He got the snood. Um, what are you talking he, about this? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so he was facing me and I'm thinking, all right, I, I should probably shoot him when he was facing me. But then he, he I think as I just as I was about to pull the trigger, he kind of twisted a little bit like that. And uh, you couldn't see it on the video because 
I had a tripod in the video, apologies, but I had a tripod all set up. I thought it was good. You know, and if the bird moves six, eight feet one way or the other, he's not blocked by the corner, but it's just the way it was. And I was paranoid enough where I didn't want to start monkeying around with the tripod um, and blow the opportunity. But anyway, so I think I kind of rushed the shot when the ta- when the jakes came in and kind of messed things up. And, um, you know, he I shot and like, it looked like he kind of staggered a little bit and then all of a sudden he just boom and he's gone. And I'm like, what the heck? Right. And I was just kind of stunned and shot one more time, but he really didn't, he wasn't really running much closer to me. He was kind of running slightly away and yeah, nothing. And so, you know, he was enormous. I mean, you always hear the legend of trash bag and you kind of see the perspective when he starts getting closer on the video, but man, was he just, the circumference of, you know, the fan and the roundness of the body when, you know, when they're in a strut like that and they got the fan behind them. I mean, it's just, I've never seen it. He'd come out in the field with two-year-olds. He'd be a foot taller than all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just insane. So I missed, I was bummed out. Here's the deal. You can't kill trash bag. You can't. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. To do with the the higher power there, man. Yeah. Not be killed. Pretty legendary, yeah. Someone on the uh, someone on the YouTube comments said uh, he leveled up, you know, like a video game thing where he leveled up the invincibility. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, so I missed, and I was using um, three inch shell TSS nine with a modified choke based on. Yeah, um, like actually, that. actually, there's a guy um, who's like just a complete turkey slayer and one of the best callers like i've ever heard when you hear like any any sound you've ever heard a turkey make this guy can replicate it any volume it's uh shane simpson he's on the uh he's on the forum too as like simp zenith or something like that man that dude is just unbelievable watching some of his videos but he's like yeah that's what he uses but you think about how he hunts and he's always he's running pure running gun never hunts out of a blind and he's so good at calling, he can get them in tight, right? So he's shooting them at 20, 25 yards all the time. So for that setup, that worked great. But to reach out, it just didn't work either either with the way the bird moved or maybe, I don't know, or I just flat out straight missed. But uh, after that uh, after that happened, went back to Dan's that night. In fact, you guys had a show, and I had to squeak that in. Um, where we squeaked in and ran out and patterned. A full choke instead of the modified and uh we did it at what 31 32 yards or something like that and it was like spot on perfect yeah that that pattern was awesome like that yeah yeah so it was spot on perfect so um you know while i was bummed and and all that i went out to the spot um that was more that was kind of local and i'd seen birds before like the last season um the last period of last season and I had, you know, multiple birds gobbling. So I would go in, I'd park in a certain spot. I'd just go into the woods 50 yards and then just wait and see what what sounds off and go to the closest one. Last year, I did the same thing where uh, I did this year. The closest one, I wound up trying to get in too tight and then all of a sudden they shut up and it's like, oh, I made that mistake again. Great. So I'm not real happy, but um, there were at least three other ones out there. So I started calling and I did a few yelps. And you could hear them, they're kind of echoing each other. They answer to me, but then they're gobbling at each other. And um, then I changed it up. I'm thinking, well, I'm just not going to stop the yelps. I want to see if I can do something different and get 
get one of the birds interested. So I just started doing these little light clucks, like almost like the little ones, you know, when a turkey's just kind of moving slow and feeding. It wasn't just pure purrs, but it's one where they do like a, it's not every second, but there's some irregular ones thrown in there, but it's just this little every second or so, like when they're walking. And I just started doing that with a little purrs and it was light calling, but there wasn't much wind, a little rain. And uh, sure enough, one of them started getting louder. And I'm like, okay, this is good. And it was just subtle calls. It's like, how the heck does he hear that through these, you know, wall of pines and stuff? But but it was that light stuff that went from the yelping where it sounded like they were more yelling at each, gobbling at each other, you know, kind of far away. But when as soon as I started doing those lighting ones, all of a sudden one of them started coming in. So I'm just gonna assuming that that change in the calling and going lighter um, probably made the difference. And uh, it was easy on the glass call to do that. So I was just I just did that and. Sure enough, he started getting louder. And this one particular spot I was in, um, it was real open. There were just kind of, I guess you'd call the, if I had to think of a term to call this way the land was set up, like a savanna, right? So it was like real kind of open with with trees in it, but it wasn't like it was solid brush. There was some stuff that was thick behind me and in front of me, but where it came through was kind of this lush grass bottom, kind of like you see in some of the, river bottom kind of country even though it wasn't river bottoms and uh he just kept coming gobbling 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 i just needed him to clear this one tree i made sure the previous mistake that i'd made in the past I make a lot of them i'm really good at making mistakes but as i had a uh i had another bird where he was just like on fire and i was sitting behind a big tree i had a big tree in front of me and i had this deadfall and uh he came right in and i could hear him spitting and drumming he was close. That spitting and drumming sound, by the way, is really weird. <laughs> the first time I heard it, I'm like, wow, that is just weird. And I needed him to clear this tree. And when he did, I shot, right? And he ran off again, kind of like trash. But I'm like, what happened? And I looked in this deadfall tree. I had this, you know, I'm looking at down the barrel of the gun in the sight. Well, it was just, this deadfall was just high enough where I carved this U-shaped trench. <laughs> In, in the deadfall. So I basically shot the tree and not the bird. So this time I made sure that I had you know, plenty of room around me where I had shooting lanes, almost like with a bow. And um, hung up a little behind the tree like that other one did, but I just gave one little tiny mouth call cluck and he gobbled again, stepped out, and that was it. And that, that pattern that me and Dan worked on um, just dropped him like a box of rocks yeah no it was a cool week of following you hunting kind of in that video dave yeah it was fun and, and you know i i left my camera i even know i mentioned on the video i forgot it at home you know i get got down the road and i'm like where's my camera i'm like dang it i didn't put it in my stuff yeah. you know and dan's always like man you gotta have a camera <laughs> and it and it's true right so i i at first i hated having the camera um, just because I didn't want it to blow, blow a shot. You know what I mean? Blow a chance at something. Um, now I'm getting a little more comfortable now that I have a few things under my belt. Um, you know, then I, then I think it's, it's going to be better and I'll probably look at a tactic cam or somewhere I can put it maybe on the weapon or something like that and, uh, not have those gaps in, in footage and all that. But now that I got, you know, 
number of deer out of the way. Now that I got the first turkey out of the way, now I'm not so worried about any of that stuff anymore, and I can focus on kind of getting better. Speaking of that, Dave, I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about this because um, you're pretty unique. Um, you didn't really get hunt started hunting until recently, right? Oh no, no, it was probably four or five years ago. Um, and how was, old are you, Dave? If you don't mind. I'm asking. old as dirt. I'm like. I'm like a year younger than Dan. Oh, he's yeah. Like, he's like 90. Dan so, is I'm dirt. 80, so I'm 89. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was, uh, so I'm what, what the heck am I, 50, 54. And I think I started when I was like 48 or something like that, maybe 49. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. yeah. If you don't mind me asking, like what, what drove you, you to hunting? Or... No, no, there's another coon. Gobble. Right I got a raccoon fight going on. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so kind of the way it went for me is my dad was in a hunting and his family was, but not, not super hardcore. Although my, I got cousins, um, my cousins, uh, Troy and Paul, they're, they're like straight up stone cold killers, especially Troy. He's man. He, uh, he's real successful businessman started with a bucket and a pail of, uh, asphalt sealer and now has a huge company. And so he has, you know, uh, real good opportunities. He's got some land in Buffalo County, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, so he, he gets good stuff every year and he's, man, I, I, his house is kind of like going into a taxidermy studio. He's got so yeah. much stuff. He's exceptional. But, uh, my mom was always against it. You know, they're like, you know, this was in like high school. They're like, Hey, come on with us to like near where my, um, Dad's family had some land way in northern Wisconsin, northeast Wisconsin, Florence County. And uh, they're like, hey, you know, come out with us. We'll do it. And if I, I kind of wanted to, but she was always like anti-hunter. She came from a family where there was no hunting. Nobody had a weapon. Nobody knew how to do any of that stuff. And uh, so I never really did it, and I kind of drifted away from it. Um, and so, you know, I got into cars and some racing stuff and all that, and one of Dan's coworkers, it was funny, we were talking about, it. he mentioned his name just in some story. I'm like, oh, hey, I know that dude. And, uh, you know, we raced and stuff together. And uh, and then I had some bows when my kids were growing up because my son wanted to shoot. So we bought bows and we would target shoot and stuff like that. But I didn't have the foggiest idea of what to do um, to actually hunt. Um, I, we lived in Kansas for like five years. Um, I did mostly like mountain biking and stuff like that, but I didn't even know the beast existed then. And you know, I think we moved there in like 2011. So the beast was kind of like just getting started. And, I, and if I would have found that resource, then I would have been like, you know, then I might've been more encouraged, but otherwise, you know, starting that late, the learning curve, I just thought was like, man, I'm going to have to go find an outfitter. And then I started looking at outfitters and seeing their prices. I'm like, I'm not going to an outfitter. <laughs> and uh, it was just crazy. And then I moved back here to Wisconsin to be closer to um, my family. So the kids could grow up with their grandparents and all that. And uh, my friend um, Rick, he's, he's like, oh, you got a bow, right? Well, let's go hunt. So we finally, um, he just took me out and he was in this sportsman club that had a lease not super far from here and uh went out and i think it was like maybe it's like november 2nd or something it was like the first day i hunted and there was a doe that 
came in and was right by where I was set up. It, it was literally like the first set thing, right? We had just put up this ladder stand in this spot where nobody had a ladder stand before. Man, here's this doe. I'm thinking, well, that's good, but I want to shoot a buck, right? And I could see the next day, and I didn't even know what this was at the time, but it was this um, buck scent checking all these doe trails all the way down in this little bottom. And I'm like, man, if he does that again, I'd love to shoot him. It was an eight-pointer, probably maybe a 100, 110, something like that. And uh, the next day, he did that. He came in, and he was right there, and my buddy was like, yeah, use this decoy. So we put up a decoy and, you know, and they're like, put this scent by the tail wick and all this thing. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so he came in and I was like, so he had me in this ladder stand and he had a crossbow. So he would actually use that gun rail thing. Yeah. And so he, he had the gun rail thing on there and I'm like getting ready to start to, you know, draw the bow and I'm like bumping into the gun rail. <laughs> And uh, meanwhile, here's this buck, and then he gets near the decoy, you know, sniffs it, and then he's just like out of there, right? Yeah. Uh, so I thought it might have had a chance, but that was that was literally my second time bow hunting, and uh, I almost think that was like the best thing that never happened, because um, if I if I would have shot him and if I would have killed him, I would have thought I was a good hunter, right? But literally, it was just going to that spot. Um, in a you know first sit this private land I, th I would have thought i was a good hunter right but then i went back there the next fall and um it was like there was nothing there right but it was it was good and rut and this was real wet so the the doe bedding that they were using was now underwater and so nothing was the same everything was different and i was like why are there no deer here what's going on and then i found the beast in dan and uh dan led me down this path of broken dreams and blood drawn <laughs> and boots filled <laughs> but, but it's really it's really way more rewarding than it would have been just shooting that first deer yeah. um so i had to really work for it and it was hard a lot of mistakes and doing dumb stuff and kicking yourself and a lot of close calls and a lot of a lot of great times like this whole turkey ordeal right where i chances multiple times gotten busted or missed a shot or whatever and then it finally wound up know sealing the deal so that was uh overall it's been you know a journey that i've i think i've worked fairly hard but i've got you know a daughter that's in high school she's about to finish that so i'll probably hunt out of state a little next year um and, and do some of that but so i've been able to do it and and enjoy it um and now that she's away for for school i'll probably try to put a little more uh you know a little more scouting like like she was busy with a high school sport this whole winter and uh it was from like the end of december to the first weekend in march we we're gone every weekend i think i put 2500 miles on my car in february alone um yeah. just taking her around to everywhere she needed to go and uh so i had like no time for for uh any scouting and all that stuff just the way it went which is unfortunate but hey you know there's all there's always a way to make it happen but yeah, so well, it's been a really good journey and, um, you know, appreciate, uh, I think I first met you, Josh, at one of Dan's seminars and, uh, to, to you, your voice sounds normal, right? Like you hear everybody in your neighborhood sounds like you, you don't, yeah. you don't care, right? But, but when you're up at a, at a seminar in Sullivan, Wisconsin, when the snow's <laughs> falling, 
and you got that southern Indiana thing going on. It's like, yeah, you're not from around here, right? So I do remember you from that. That was, I think, the first seminar you went to and the first one I went to. Yeah. And then first one I met Dan. And, uh, I'm going to argue that because uh, I've been down by Josh's house several times. He's yeah. the only one down there that sounds like that. Oh, that's <laughs> not true. He sounds like he's from Tennessee someplace. <laughs> you know, even, even his wife said the same thing to me. Yeah, that's funny. Your, your wife told me that you've got that southern accent from somewhere, but uh, nobody else has it. It's like that Larry Bird accent. Yeah, Larry Bird. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, no, I don't no, know. No, but so, my, so my yeah, mom's so, side of the family's from Kentucky, so oh, maybe it's come from. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but so that was really, I think, the first. That was maybe the second year I hunted when you know going to that seminar and and and. Uh, you know, that same one you were and all that. And it's just kind of blossomed since then. And it's been more fun and, you know, getting to know Dan, everybody else, Rick, um, you were talking earlier about Eric, you know, that dude, um, that dude's an awesome, awesome guy. Um, you know, funny, but like got a, you know, integrity, just, you know, great person that you want to get to know. So mm-hmm. it's, I've been really met a lot of awesome people um like like you all throughout the whole thing and it's been way it's been really rewarding you know it's not like you know after i kind of went from struggling hunting to what do i do to finding the beast and getting to know some people that way i i couldn't go back to hunting any other way um and i think i just grew so much as as a hunter for sure um i got a long way to go but uh you know and, and it's just been more rewarding having people and finding people that have that mindset because um i just can't imagine hunting another way it's like that's what was sitting in that blind i told dan with the turkey you know it was i was like crawling up the walls for a little while especially the first day it's like man i can't i can't do this i gotta get out and move um so this mobile style for whether it's turkeys or deer is just like it gets in your blood and you you just want to do it yep for sure Sounds like you kind of always had hunting in your blood and you just took you quite a few years to, to find it, capture yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, that's cool. Um, anyway, at least, uh, at least you're starting at an age where you're smart enough to realize your mistakes and, and grow from them. Yeah, for sure. And I <laughs> like think one, one of the benefit of being mature whenever you start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm hard headed enough and I've done some endurance sports stuff where, when we would go on the deer drives, even though it's kind of fat and out of the shape, well, I still am a little bit, but fat and way more out of shape. You know, I, I just, I think that was one of the things you might've noticed Dan, at the drives. I was like, I know, I know what it's like to hurt and keep going, you know? So I just kept, mm-hmm. I just kept grinding. I didn't need to sit anywhere. I was kind of like uh, Eric, you know, a little bit like that too. It's like, yeah, no, I don't need to sit, you know, you guys just sit, I'll keep driving. And that's kind of yeah, the mindset. Like the, um, the first times you came with us, you were a little out of place. Oh yeah, well, I think the first one. Don't take that wrong. It happens no, no, a lot. no. But yeah. I see you know you're fitting right in now. I remember that uh, like first hunt when we uh, got into some crazy stuff with a wounded deer and ended up in a place that where everybody was almost drowning to death. Yeah, and uh, you came out of there with no phone and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i reached in my pocket it was me mario and um oh i can't remember his name i can picture his face it was one of the other guys i think he works at quad with the cheap mm-hmm. um uh do you, do you remember his name dan i'm trying to blank it's one of the other 
guys that does the Nick? stuff. Steve? No. no. Greg? Um, Mario. Mario hunted with him in one of the videos where he oh, shot his find the deer. Rob, Rob. Rob. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was me, Mario, and Rob, and we Rob were coming out of Oh, okay, okay. It was me, Mario, and Rob, and we were coming out of there, and it was like pitch black. We had no frame of reference. So I went to get get my phone and use the flashlight to just even see where we were. And I'm like feeling in my pocket. I'm like, oh, he's not there. And uh <laughs> We had gone way back in to try to get this deer, which ultimately Dan wound up doing and getting a boat ride from duck hunters. Um, but we stopped by this one huge bed that was literally right on the edge of the water. And I'm um, like, well, if I dropped it anywhere, that's probably where it was because I took a picture of it. So I went out the next morning and it was funny. I went to that parking lot and uh, as, just as I'm finished, just as I'm getting out of the truck, I see... Dan and everybody else and Mario driving by and I'm waving at Mario. <laughs> so they were driving that next morning, but like, I got to find my phone. And everyone's like, you're never going to find that thing. And so I kept walking. And because there were so many of us, it was like an elephant herd, you know, had gone through these deer trails and just stomped them out and widened them out. So it was super easy to find again. And I, as soon as I got back to that huge bed, which was like, I don't know. It was like the size of two King mattresses. I mean, it was just like, it was massive. And, uh, there it is sitting right there. <laughs> I thought for so, sure that, uh, it would have been underwater or something. Yeah. I knew that's, I, that, I knew that. remember Mario went through all the way to his neck twice. Yep. And I, I went in, I went in once, but I remember where I put it in and I was wearing hip boots at the time. And you might remember we had from the video where I was wearing those hip boots and, uh, we were hunting out, going to that one that one island, and I went through like you saw me disappear like four times. Uh, that was pretty funny. But uh, so to, where that deer was climbing up onto the shore out of the lake. Yes, uh, we we, sh we shot it. It ran in the lake. We ran around. It started coming out the other side, and I emptied my gun again. And then Mario was standing next to me. and He was just starting to take aim, and all of a sudden, boom! He goes out of sight. And I looked down. He's he's below my feet. I mean, he was standing right next to me. And he's yeah. like, ah, and the deer's getting away. And I'm like, give me your gun. And I kind of felt bad about that. <laughs> that was super, it was super sketchy back there. But I knew, you know, I think we're complaining about it. And yeah, it, yeah. we go out to where the deer was and we're trying to get to the deer because um, it was just out, it went into the water and it was out about uh, 15 feet from shore, just out of reach. But we're standing on these little humps that are floating and they're bobbing around like bobbers. And Mario's next to me and he's complaining about how soaked he is and he's full of mud and stuff because he went <laughs> literally to his neck, right? And I literally look at him and boom, there he is down to his neck again. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> and the, and then and what made it hard too was that the uh, it was just cold enough where there started to get some ice forming. So mm -hmm. remember how there was the shore, but then there was like 10 feet of just skim ice which is how the deer got stuck there. It couldn't break that skim ice and get up. The water um, was literally like this deep, you, you know, um, and there's like a thin layer of ice, like he's talking, that's skim ice. And uh, there was mud underneath it. And I was going to, I even started to, I, I started taking off all my clothes. I was going to go out. That's and get not something deer. anybody wants to see. But, uh, <laughs> we tried to get it with a stick. So I took the stick to see how deep the mud was. And the stick was how long was that? It was like 15 feet long. It was actually a little tree that had no branches. Yeah. Yeah. I literally, with no effort at all, 
stuck it in there and could not find the bottom of that muck. Yep. It was not like water. You can't swim through that stuff. No, no. If you no. just hop off that hump into that stuff, I think you're just going to hop down and never, ever be seen again, ever. Yeah, mm. I think so. There was... Or, um, just when I'm com- contemplating whether or not I'm going to die getting this beer, a boat came buzzing up. Need a hand? Yeah, yeah I was like, hey. <laughs> and uh, I left everybody standing out there a mile and a half from the truck in the muck, and I hopped in the boat, took a boat ride. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so when we went out, there's a real easy way out. But um, if you miss the, like, the first landmark, um, you kind of miss the main trail. And so we missed that first landmark and we wound up going, you know, a different direction. And we, we, it felt like we walked through a quarter mile of buckthorn thicket. It was just like one thing after the other smacking you in the face and getting turned around. And we know when it was pitch black and that was wild. But the next morning I found my phone. Um, and then I found Rob, he had, uh, he had went in pretty deep, um, in the cattails <laughs> and, uh, Rob was he, lost too. No, no, no. He wasn't lost, but he went in, you know, he went up you know, to his waist yeah. and um, he's like, oh, I lost my magazines. And he had like two AR magazines that were like kind of clipped together. And so on my way back out, I'm like, well, here's this big hole. You know, that's pretty sure where Rob went down. So I'm looking around. I'm like, OK, here's his mag. So I found, you know, his two fully loaded mags. So I got my phone and uh, and his fully loaded mags, which. You know, in today's ammo price, it's probably worth about 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, no. It, it, uh, so, yeah, it was it was a wild one. That was that was fun, though. So that was kind of the first baptism to the to the uh, driving. And, and, yeah, it just kind of hooks you after a while, and it was, it was fun. Yeah, you certainly earned the deer you shoot on those drives. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you don't always get one, but but yeah. uh, but it's fun. Regardless. It used to be we got at least one big buck every year. Now it's getting to be like every other year, and it's getting worse and worse. But yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it starts picking back up. Yeah. Yep. Well, Dave, I think me and Dan are going to answer some questions. Sounds uh, good. Thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah. No, appreciate it. Thanks uh, for having uh, me on again sometime. Yeah. It's yeah. good. It's good talking to you. Yeah. Good talking to you too, and um, yeah. just. Yeah, thanks for all everybody's help over the years on learning learning stuff and finally, you know, connecting on you know the deer I talked about in the in the turkey this year. So it's yep. it's been awesome. Yep. All those hunts are behind. Congrats on the turkey, man. Yep. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was it was uh that was a sweet, sweet redemption. For sure. All yep. right, Dave, take her easy, man. All right, thanks. thanks. Have a good one. Bye. There you go. Or answer some questions now, Dan, just for yep. a few minutes before we sure. before we hop off. Sure. Um, all right. We won't get to all these tonight, everybody, but we'll, we'll answer a few at least. Um, question for Dan. If you go back to your recent videos of marsh scouting in the fall, how often would you scout them until you see fresh shine? Would you go back frequently to see when fresh shine picks up? Uh, I really don't go back for fresh sign, um, unless I'm going to hunt it. Um, when I go in there, I can pretty much tell what's going on or when the deer are going to be there based on the sign I'm looking at in the spring. Um, so I don't know if you're listening to that video I'm talking about, you know, when we think the sign was made from and stuff like that, um, pretty much is spot on when we go back in the fall. I mean, sometimes we're a little off, but 
right. pretty accurate on when those deer are there in the fall based on the sign we're looking at. Um, there are spots that uh, maybe Ian is um, locked in, like they look okay. There's some deer sign there, not a lot. And you're like, eh, looks like it could be a good spot at the right timing. I might go by a spot like that and spot check and see if there's sign coming out or whatever as I'm hunting. But when I find that sign, I hunt it. Otherwise, once I have a spot picked out and figured out and I got trees picked out, I stay the hell away until I'm going to hunt. Yep. I think a good example of that, uh, of you kind of deciding on when you, you know, when you're scouting and deciding on when that deer was there, was that buck you killed a couple of years ago, that great big one on public land. Like there was a bunch of features on that scouting trip that you did that kind of clued you in on that deer was there in early season. Yep. Um, so you don't have to go back in early season and, you know, for sure, right. whether that be the types of trees have leaves on them in September, but not in October or the rub is super old. So that means maybe it's done in early season instead of rut, stuff like that. One thing you got to remember too, is as I've been doing this a long time. So I've been doing this, you know, since the eighties and I've literally since the early nineties in one way, shape or another been putting out information for people and things change over the years. I mean, I used to, you know, back in the uh, Blood Brothers days, I used to spot check spots. Mm -hmm. Go in, check for sign, and then move out and stuff. I don't do that as much anymore. You you advance, you learn some things. And one thing I learned is when you go in there and you spot check, it's like a hunt and you ruin the spot. Yeah. So, um, and another thing I've learned is that the lack of sign doesn't mean a lot. I mean, it obviously means a lot if you see a lot of sign. That's a good right. thing. But I've set spots a lot that I have information from scouting in spring that tells me deer are there at a certain time frame. And I've gone in there and I don't see much sign and I sit there and the deer comes out and I shoot it. I've yep. had it happen many times. So I go in there, I'm going to sit it. Yep. Basically. However, if I get in there and it's, uh, you know, if I'm going there and I see something that's hot at the time, I'll hunt the, the, what I see that's hot. But if I go into a spot where I'm relatively sure there's deer living there at a certain time period, I'm hunting it. Right. I'm doing that based on my scout number. I'm not really spot scouting, but you might've seen something from me way back in the past where I did spot scout. I don't do yeah. that so much anymore. I guess though you had to kind of do some of that spot scouting to learn, you know, maybe uh, this guy, you know, his stage in hunting, maybe that's where he's at right now where he's you know not completely confident in his scouting. So he goes and, spot checks or whatever and you know, i think he needs to get away from that i think that was a mistake on my part yeah and uh, i think i've advanced beyond that yeah and i think that's the route to go i don't think i'd spot scout because the main thing the main reason uh josh and i'm saying that what is, if you have scent lock on well then yeah spot check them all yeah <laughs> but uh, the main reason <laughs> now you threw me for a loop here um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the main reason I'm saying that is because um, I have hundreds of spots. Yeah. Scouted from over the years, right? Your average person has about 10. And he's trying to make those 10 spots last a whole season. You go in there and spot scout one, you just ruined it. That's one more spot you can't hunt. Yeah. Yeah, true. I think you can hunt these spots about once every 30 days or so. And even that's pushing it. You know, yeah. once or twice a season, I think is better. And, uh, um, 
if you go in there and you spot check it close enough to really see the sign that the deer's living there, I think it's just like hunting them. Yeah. I mean, you do. That was a good question. Yeah, it really was. Um, yeah, I guess it depends on what your definition of spot scouting is too. Like, I guess if you're just jumping around looking for hot sign, you know, that's out your strategy, then that, I don't know if that's spot scouting or not, but it's not always I think bad. some of that might even be in some of those old Blood Brothers videos. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But those were made, uh, you know, um, around 2000, around 2000, yeah. 2006, the Blood mm-hmm. Brothers ones. So when you had long hair, no beard. Mm-hmm. Brian asks if it's too late to scout bedding areas to hunt this fall. I'm releasing videos of scouting bedding areas, Anna. Yep. So I guess you can. I guess it depends on where you are geographically, too, because I would imagine it's a lot more greener where Josh is than I am. Yeah. It uh, is. You can you can scout them all year, but uh, it gets a lot harder for somebody that's not used to looking at them, seeing them once the green stuff starts growing in. Right. And knowing what bedding is. Mm-hmm. All right. Red asks, do you feel, do you still focus on buck bedding at the start of the rut or switch to doe bedding? Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll look at doe bedding, um, a little bit, but for the most part, everything revolves around buck hunting. So, um, with that in mind, take a look at the video I put up today, just before this show. I'm sure he hasn't seen it yet because it went up just before the show. Um, in that video, we go to an Island where I'm expecting to find buck bedding because it's just like the first buck island we looked at but when i get there what i find is it has rubs just like the first island but the rubs aren't in beds they're on trails and we jump does out of a little patch of cattails and we get in there we realize that that's a doe bedding area and we realize that the bucks are cruising this doe bedding area but it's extremely remote and the bucks are really close by in bedding areas that are really close to this island and these bucks can go through cover and never really leave thick cover and check on those does during the day. I think a mature buck will do that there. So there I'm actually hunting doe bedding, but I'm hunting it because it's in close proximity to big buck bedding. Um, I don't hunt like um, doe bedding areas that are hundreds of yards from any bucks. You know, and yeah. hope was by at noon or something like that. And you'll kill bucks at those places. I know people do it every year. Yeah. But the majority of them are two or three year olds. If you want to kill a mature one, they're not going to leave much cover for that. They're going to they're going to bed near that doe bedding area where there's thick cover near that doe bedding area, or they're going to put beds. And you'll see that in that uh, the video we just put up. I didn't explain it very well. Watching the footage, I wish I would have talked about it more. But you'll see me look at a bed and I'll say, "Well, there's definitely bedding going on here." And you'll see you pointed a, a rub and a broken branch above it. There's a little point that goes off into the cattails there. And if you're looking close, you can tell that's the configuration. And you can tell if you look at when we're just walking up, that's surrounded by cattails. Now, they're all knocked flat now, but it's a little hole. And that bedding area is in a spot where it's just looking at the doe bedding, just looking right through the island at the doe bedding. And we found one other uh, buck bedding area that was doing the same thing. Those two spots being uh, bedded by bucks monitoring those does those are very killable bucks as long as we don't get right in that buck funnel if you look our setups i tried to do a map without showing the spot 
I drew yeah. one. But if you look at the, the map, we can't really get into that island. Because if we get into that island, if those bucks are bedded, they're monitoring the does, we're blowing them out of there. So we're going to set up on the ends and where the bucks come in and out, you know. Right. Right. Got these dang forest bugs. Can't get him on camera, but there's those, box uh, elder bugs, the ones that stink. got a little orange on them. Yeah, they call them like stink bugs or uh, that little guy right there. Where is he? I don't see him. He's right here. What does he taste like? Oh, that yeah, that's a stink bug. Yeah, stink bug. They call them, I think the proper term is forest bug. We got them freaking things everywhere. I like I look saw something moving out of the corner of my eye and he's just like walking down my uh microphone stand here. He went God has a reason now. for everything. And for yeah. those things, what I use them for is I stick them in my ear and they come out with all the ticks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on that, Dan. Yeah. Uh sorry everybody for not getting to all the questions tonight. Me and Dan and Dave talk too much, but we uh don't get to talk to Dave very often, so it was good talking to him. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Before you leave, guys, hit the subscribe button. Maybe you'll win something in the next couple months. And give us a like. Talk to everybody sometime in the future. I'd Probably not Thursday night because we'll be turkey hunting. But see you, everybody. See ya. Bye.